It's game day eve and Carolina will be one of the few teams playing on Saturday. So eyes all over the nation are going to be on the Tar Heels as they begin the post-Sam Howell era. What's in store for Drake May and company as they begin the season? Former UNC quarterback Bryn Renner is here to help me preview it all. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, August 26, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that we are free and available anywhere you get podcasts. So go ahead and subscribe right now. It doesn't cost you anything and make sure you get your team every day. For those of you watching, please go ahead, smash the like button as well, and leave some comments on what you expect this season from the Tar Heel football team. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. It's great today to be joined on Locked on Tar Heels by former UNC quarterback Bryn Renner. Man, how the years have quickly gone by. We were just talking about how hard it is to get old and get up in the morning. Bryn and I are feeling it, uh, but it is good to be together today. So, uh, Bryn, where we first want to start back is obviously where we first want to start is obviously you were the man, the quarterback at North Carolina, and it, it's taken a while to figure out for the Tar Heels uh, to, to name who is going to be Sam Howe's replacement. So my first question mm -hmm. to you this morning is, how on earth does Mac Brown go about replacing Sam Howell? Yeah, well, first, thanks, Isaac, for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to always talk about the heels. Uh, they're, they're near and dear to my heart and always will be. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, but to answer your question, I don't think you're ever going to replace a talent like Sam Howell. Uh, probably one of the best quarterbacks to come through, uh, you know, the university in, in as long as we've had football. Um, so you're never going to replace Sam. Sam was a phenomenal player. But what I always say is, you know, when you're trying to replace somebody, the best you can do is all, all you can do as a player. And Drake and Jacoby are in a great, uh, you know, spot as far as going forward for this 2022 season. And, uh, and so, you know, I think this is going to be a big test for them going forward. Mm. Um, I think the biggest thing they can do in their maturation process is give their best effort and bring their teammates along with them. Um, I remember when I replaced TJ Yates, and, um, you know, his senior year was very successful. We had a lot of success. And TJ was a good friend of mine. And we spent a lot of time together mm -hmm. for those two years that he taught me uh, in the quarterback room how to be a quarterback. And so in, in doing that, we played James Madison. And I didn't go out there and try to do anything spectacular. I just tried to be myself. And so for Drake and Jacoby, that's really all they can do in this first game. And as they get comfortable, you know, as the season goes on and, and playing at home is going to help this first this first game on Saturday, and I think it's going to help them uh, just get their feet wet, find some early completions, um, get the ball out of their hands, Coach Longo calling some screens, um, and find completions. I think the more completions you get, you're like a three-point shooter. If you make one and see one go in, <laughs> yeah. then, then you're more likely to find another completion. And, and Josh Downs is great on the outside and a lot of good young receivers coming up and, and we lean on the running game. I think, you know, if, if you do that and early in the game, the first two quarters, let everybody settle down. 
Um, there's going to be some hiccups and, and then, you know, kind of move on from there. But I think Coach Brown has done a great job of bringing both those guys along. I also bring up this point. You're probably going to need both of them throughout the season. So they both got to be ready to go. That's right. And so that brings up a great question. I mean, obviously, like with, with Sam Howell in 2019, Coach Brown named him as QB1 about two weeks out from that first game against South Carolina. And, and so the team knew, he knew, the media knew for a while. But with Drake and Jacoby this year, it, it's just been since Monday, right? Like mm-hmm. five days out before game day. And so mm-hmm. um, with that in mind, why do you think it has been so difficult to pick between the two of them? Well, I think the competition has probably been really close. Um, without being at practice, I can't answer that question. Sure, sure. But I think I'm assuming that it was really close. And I think what people need to understand is they pro- both probably got evenly amount of the first team reps with the first team offense. And I think that's probably very a good, a good evaluation on how to go about it. Um, I think they both throw the ball very similarly. Um, Drake might have the upper hand, but I wouldn't know without being at practice. But I think as a coach, you can only put them in in certain situations in game-like reps throughout training camp. And when it comes to the end, you have to make a decision on who's going to walk out first and and give the the team the best opportunity to win. And I think Drake's going to get the nod to start. And and I think, you know, they probably saw something in Drake, you know, during those situational practices that maybe gave him the edge. Um, But like I said, you're probably going to need both guys throughout the year. You just never know what's going to happen with an injury or, or, you know, not moving the ball or not progressing. Um, But yeah, I think that, that, and also competition brings out the best in both of those guys. Um, I think I always felt, you know, when I played, um, if a guy was pushing me every single day and I know my job was online and the higher levels you go up, um, that's just what the case is. And you got to fight for your job every single day. It's not guaranteed. So Um, I think it was probably a good decision to do it, you know, probably this week to give everybody kind of a week to settle down and, and let Drake step in the huddle and, and be the guy. Yeah, man, that's so good. So um, one of the things that was interesting about Coach Brown's press conference when he named Drake as starter, and I loved how simply he was just like, yeah, Drake's going to walk out there for like, didn't make a big deal about it, named the whole defensive depth chart first, the rest of the offense, and then just, you know, just dropped it in that little nugget. Um, but but then in the questions he was asked about it, he was very, like, very protective of both guys, like adamant about not talking about it as a quarterback competition, adamant that mm-hmm. he was not going to unpack the ins and outs uh, of what took place to make the decision. Why do you think that was his approach? Yeah, and, and I always, I can't speak for a coach being a former sure. coach myself sure. and, and <laughs> kind of the reasonings behind that. So I don't want to speak for Coach Brown. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal coach. Um, but, you know, I think eliminate distractions, right? I think just, you know, it's really kind of nobody's business on how, you know, they went about doing it, right? And I think, you know, you see the Bill Belichick's, you see the Bill Parcells back in the day, the Bill Walsh's when Steve Young and Joe Montana, there wasn't much discussion. It was kind of just the decision that the ball club went with. And, uh, you know, being a former coach myself, I kind of understand that because, you know, once again, it's about the team. And he wants Drake to be comfortable. He wants Jacoby to be comfortable. And he wants the rest of the offense to understand that, hey, this is a team effort. I think, you know, you know, my opinion on quarterback has changed over the years because, you know, you, you need to have a team around you and you need to think about the other 10 guys that are stepping in the huddle with you. So I think just going with, with Drake and, and being very blunt about it and say, hey, this is our decision as a, as a, as a team uh, going forward in 2022, I think that's just kind of the, the mode that, that it was in. Uh, and, if, and if you don't put as much pressure on that guy to be – you know, to do it all. Um, I think it probably helps, helps a lot of people around him and not only the quarterback, you know, I think 
going back to my time, like I said, I, I replaced TJ and there was a lot of pressure coming in as a highly recruited guy, similar yeah. to Drake. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was, I was a four, four star guy coming in, you know, had a lot of, a lot of hype, a lot of anticipation on how I was going to perform. And so, you know, I remember when I got named a starter, there was, you know, anxiety, there was, there was some stress. There was, Hey, I want to go out and, and be the best guy I can be for the team. And so, you know, you eliminate that by kind of just diffusing the situation and, and uh, kind of leaving the questions out of it, but, and going forward in 2022. Yeah. And so, I mean, ultimately, with with Drake being named, I know like we've been talking about today, they're both going to get their time. They're both going to get reps. But um, Coach Brown also talked about they don't have a specific plan for like, hey, we're, Drake will get the first three series and then Jigo. he didn't specify what that will look like. I, I mean, do you just when you name the the QB one, do you roll with him? Uh, like, is this Drake May's job to lose? I guess is how I succinctly want to ask it. You know, I think once again, you can never predict what happens in the football season. I think people too, too many times try to, you know, put their expectations on what's going to happen. But to answer that fairly, I think you always have to be prepared as a starter or backup. No matter what role you have, you're one play away from it being your That's team right. or it being your opportunity. Um, so I think in going into this season, you have to take that approach. Uh, of one play at a time and, and, and the guy could go down somebody else something could happen and and you have to always be ready so if you limit those expectations of hey I'm going to play this game well you don't know that you, you got to make sure that you're that everybody's <laughs> yeah. on the same page mentally saying hey man we could go to you right right now it's similar to being a pitcher yeah. you know they ask those relief pitchers to come in on a short-term notice you could you could pitch in back-to-back days if you're a relief pitcher so you always have to have your mind controlled and in control of of your expectations of going in to go play um because if, if you're thinking that you're not going to go play and it's not your opportunity you're not going to perform, perform very well um so i think if if you you know if, if we could all as a fan base understand that it's going to take a little time for this guy to, to you know not be sam howell and not you know the kind of feel his own oats and be his own quarterback and it might take till week five or week six um, then, then we can we can be prepared uh, to to see that, but give the kid a little bit of time and, and let him let him go to work, let him make some mistakes. It's not going to be perfect, uh, and let him go have fun. And uh, and so I think, but I think both those guys can play. And I think Absolutely. that's what's great about you know what we have in this situation is you know it's Sam was phenomenal, and there's I mean there's not going to be another Sam to come come through that door for you know you never know, but it may be Drake or Jacoby. So you, you got to give it time and, and, and see how the, the season plays out. Man, that's a good word, a good way to end that quarterback conversation. Brand great stuff. Thank you for that. And thankfully with Carolina needing to wait a couple of weeks to see what they got, we got four weeks of non-conference games and a bye week before we get into ACC play. That'll be plenty of time. Well, we do want to talk about the season opening game against Florida AM. and we're going to do that in just a second after I tell you about bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. There's also reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, and NHL, along with combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports betting info. From live in-game wagering, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. BetOnline, 
where the game starts. It is hard to believe that it is game day eve, but it is the Tar Heels playing in week zero. So there's not going to be many uh, teams rolling out on the field this weekend. So there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on the Tar Heels as they attempt to answer a lot of question marks this year. Not just who replaces Sam Howell, but what does the offensive line look like now under Jack Bicknell? What does the defense look like uh, under the return of Gene Chizik? All of this and more that we need to unpack. So, Bryn, here's the first thing I want to ask you. All due respect to Florida A&M as a football team. Um, it just feels like because of the differential you have in talent, uh, the general public just really aren't going to learn much about the 22 Tar Heels on Saturday because you kind of roll out and just try stuff. So that said, what do you think we can learn on Saturday? Well, I think you have to go into it without any expectations. We talked about that in the previous segment, just no expectations on what, you know, we're going to be yet. I, I don't think a team's ever a finished product, you know, until, you know, honestly, until the end of the season. Some some teams get really hot towards near the end. Um, but for Saturday, uh, I think Florida A&M does have a lot of talent. Just being a former coach down in that area, Willie does a great job with his program, and they're going to be ready to go. Um, so I think – but in talking from our expectations as a, as a university, I think we have to go into it um, without no, no, no penalties. Um, let's see if we can be disciplined, no holdings, no offsides, no pre or post snap penalties. Let's go into it with an understanding that, hey, let's just play a clean football game and see what we have. Uh, brand new football team, brand new, uh, brand new guys in new roles, a lot of expectations. Some guys want to go five catches for 100 yards. And some guys want to, you know, rush the ball for 100. So let's just see what this team's about. Have a good balanced offensive attack. Play really good defense with, you know, Gene's obviously coming back to Carolina for the first time. It's going to be really cool to see that defense. I think there's been a lot of um, hype around the quarterback situation, but I think the defense is going to be much improved. I think he does a great job. And I think the whole staff has done a great job coaching these kids up. And, and like I said, it's playing poker. You never know what somebody else has until they put the cards down. And so, uh, so we're going to see on Saturday how, how good we can be. Uh, I love that, that discipline that you're talking about with there of, hey, let's go out and just execute at a high level of what we're doing, regardless of what our opponent's doing. Um, and, and that said, because of the nature of, obviously, as you said, Florida A&M does have talent, um, they're, but they're just not the caliber of an ACC opponent or something mm -hmm. of that nature. So like, is there a degree to which you're not putting everything on film because you don't want Notre Dame and then the rest of your ACC schedule and App State next weekend just to see mm -hmm. everything that you got in your cards? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you never – I think you never know. I think you do whatever it takes to win the game. Um, so whatever plays you have to call, whatever, you know, formation you have to get in and, and put it on film, I think I think you need to do that. So – um, I, I think they have a good handle on it. Coach Brown and Coach Longo and, and Coach Chizik have, have been doing it for a long, long time. So they understand what plays they're going to call. And, and I think, you know, every team's different. You're not going to play the same team every single week. Um, so there's different formations you can get in based on what, you know, Florida A&M does, you know, compared to what App State does and, and so on and so forth. So I think, you know, going into it, you have a game plan that you've probably studied all year long. Uh, in getting prepped for them, doing off-season studies. But every team's different. So you're going to have to make in-game adjustments. And I think that's the biggest thing is, is where Coach Brown has really done a good job in his career in the past and all the coaches on the staff have of making in-game adjustments. You know, what, what, what didn't we prepare for that they're going to throw at us? And I think that's, that's always something that I've, 
you know, valued in football is there's going to be different things throughout the course of the game that we're going to have to adjust to a new blitz package. Hey, they're playing this coverage against us. We didn't see that coming. Hey, they ran this formation on offense and coach has got to make an adjustment at halftime. So making in-game adjustments, this game is ever flowing, right? It's, yeah. it's a, it's a game of emotion, highs and lows. And so really just going into it of, Hey, not necessarily do we not want to show them this, whatever is going to take to win the game. Let's go win the game and play clean football. I love that. So, Bryn, aside from the numbers on the scoreboard, how do we define success on Saturday? Aside from just like, hey, the score was 59 to 7 or whatever it may turn out to be tomorrow. What what does success look like in the first game of the season? Well, obviously, the first one is going to be a win. And I think, you know, you can always make corrections after a win. And, uh, and so I think that's the, that's the number one goal. And I think the number two goal has to be, can we play clean football? Hmm. What was our penalties? Did we, did we, what was our mental errors? You know, we call them missed assignments or missed mental errors. Uh, what was the number of those? Um, and then critical situational football. Did we not beat ourselves? Did we not turn the ball over? Did we do what, you know, the game required? Hey, did we punt on fourth down or, or whatever our game plan was, how, how well did we execute it and how well can we get better from it? You know, there's always improvement in football. There's no matter how much you watch the tape, you can never have a perfect game. It's just not, not possible out there, but the number one goal should be to win. And then the next, the next things of how can we improve on from watching the tape to get better for the next opponent? The season only gets harder from, from, from Saturday. And uh, you know, we're all, we're all, um, you know, O and O right now. So especially going into week zero, um, another thing is, can we give our best effort? Mm. You know, did we did we give our best effort? Were guys hustling? Were guys jogging on and off the field? Uh, you know, just little things like that. We were going after the, the extra points. You know, just seeing the effort from offense and defensive line. How well did we block up front? Little things like that. And just see a good, clean football game. Man, that's great. So, Bryn, given your eyes as somebody who has spent a lot of years playing quarterback, given your eyes as somebody who has been a football coach, what are some specific positions that you'll be watching on Saturday that Tar Heel fans checking in can also be watching to see like, oh, man, I've been wondering about this and here's what we're learning about it. I think offense and defensive line for me. Um, Obviously, a lot of talent on defensive line uh, that is very young. Uh, but those guys can play and they can, you know, we're really good recruits uh, that, that coach Chizik and coach, coach Bly and everybody's been bringing in and it's time for, you know, time for them to see what they can, they can get off the ball and attack the quarterback. I know for us, when I was at North Carolina, we've always had a good defensive line. And, uh, and so when I was there during the heyday, you know, Robert Quinn was, was a big time player, but we have, t- we have talent on that defensive line that can attack, attack the quarterback. Um, and then obviously the offensive line, you know, protecting Drake, uh, especially for being a young quarterback. I think that's going to be critical to see how uh, Coach Bicknell has is, is done a you know, phenomenal job coming in um, and, and doing, doing the best he can with the offensive line. I think there's some talent up front. Uh, but protecting a young quarterback, knowing that he might hold on to the ball a little bit longer than Sam did uh, just by, you know, just getting his feet wet and as the season goes on. But the offensive defensive line are always – you know, very critical, but under talked about and uh, underappreciated. And so um, seeing how we can protect from this year, uh, you know, compared to last year, and then obviously the defensive line applying more pressure and getting more sacks. I think this is going to be something that I'll, I'll be watching for. Okay. That's great, Bryn. Thank you so much for that. And you spoke of Drake and obviously we've already talked about him and Jacoby both at length today, but what uh, we talked about what success as a team looks like tomorrow mm-hmm. 
in Drake May's first career college start and he walks off the field, how do we say Drake May had a successful career first start? Well, I think you'll, once again, I'm going to have the cliche answer, a, a win. And uh, a win and, and some confidence. Uh, I think, you know, once you jog out for the first time, they call your name over the intercom and, and you know, say, they only say one player when you jog out there. It's the quarterback <laughs> for North Carolina. And it's the, the coolest experience of your entire life. I got goosebumps right now, and I'll never forget every single game that I could jog out there at home, and they say your name. And it, it's really one of the best experiences of your life. And obviously his legacy with his brother and his dad is, is going to, you know, obviously – you know, have some have some weight on him. So there's going to be some pressure. But I, I talked to Drake earlier this week, and, and we had a good conversation just of limiting those expectations and going out there and going with the flow. And, uh, you know, I always make this analogy. My dad was really good at this. Don't expect going into the game you're going to score 40 points. And, and the basketball analogy, don't expect you're going to go sco score 40. As many times in high school, I thought I was going to go score 40 and had two. And then, you know, the games you don't expect that you're going to have, you know, 40 points, you just go out there and shoot. And I just told him, hey, just go out there and throw it, man. Yeah. Spin it. You, you can Be confident in the preparation. Uh, don't hold anything back, and you can live with the results. And I think if he walks off the field with a win and some confidence, I think that will be big. Love it. That's such good stuff, Bryn. Well, speaking of Bryn talking about all those goosebumps, man, I'm getting goosebumps here, and you talk about the goosebumps. But uh, we do want to unpack that more. Bryn's life as North Carolina's quarterback and everything he's been getting into since then. Let me first tell you about the Ultimate College Football Preview. The Ultimate College Football Preview is here. A seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. We've been so honored to be joined by Bryn Renner today, and it's been great hearing him talk about the, the quarterback decision that was made, to talk about this game that we're going to see tomorrow. But we would be remiss if we didn't have an opportunity to talk with Bryn about his life and what's been going on in it since he left North Carolina. And so uh, Bryn talked about him taking over the reins from TJ Yates, and then he ultimately passed on to Mr. Marquise Williams. And so, uh, Bryn, since, uh, since you've left North Carolina, what's been going on? Yeah, so I, I've had a, uh, you know, kind of a really good career, in my opinion, you know, outside of football. So um, I bounced around the NFL for, for four years, and I understood that the, the NFL brand stood for not for long. So, <laughs> But I was around really good players uh, and, and a really good time, and I always tell everybody I got my Ph.D. in how to be a quarterback. Um, so, so, yeah, after that journey, I went to Florida National University um, and coached there. And so I was in a variety of different roles. Um, at, there for five years, I was director of recruiting for two. Um, I was actually coached the defensive backs on the defensive side of it for two. Um, and then I was, I coached quarterbacks the final year last year. Um, I was with Butch Davis, who was a great mentor of mine. Um, and it was really great to reconnect and kind of do really good things for that program. And, uh, we had three bowl games in three years, which hasn't been, been done in school history. Uh, and we also beat, you know, an ACC rival in Miami. Uh, and that was a big time thing. Yeah. First time in program history, uh, beat him in Marlins Park. It's something that I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, I was a really good coaching experience. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, giving back to the kids. And I always will enjoy coaching. So um, I took on a different role. I got a new job now. Um, and so I had some opportunities to stay in the game of coaching. 
And, um, you know, I really wanted to get married. I think that was the biggest thing. I married uh, Amanda Balionis in March, and uh, I wanted to spend some time with her because, you know, being a coach, is it's a rigorous lifestyle, and, and you're recruiting. It's 24-7, 365, and, uh, and I enjoyed it. But, you know, being 10 years out of college, I wanted a chance to kind of see how it feels to, to be a normal person uh, <laughs> and, and things like that. So and uh, she does a great job. She, she does a great, great job in her own right. So we wanted to spend some more time together. And uh, and we did that. Got married in March, uh, moved out to California and, uh, and, and took a, it took a great job with a great company. And I enjoy what I do. And it's, it's fantastic. So, but coaching's still in me. I'm helping out at La Jolla High School uh, right down the road where we live in La Jolla, uh, California. And so uh, we have some games coming up this season. So I'm excited for those. It's been great to work with the kids still. And, yeah. and coaching will always be a part of me. Do I, do I think I'm done coaching? I don't. Uh, in some capacity, <laughs> football's always going to – I'm just too competitive. Football's yeah. always going to be a part of me and, and in yeah. me. And it's been great to help out the high school. And the high school level is the, the purest form of football. Those kids listen to you. They look you in the eyes. And they want to know what you have to say and, and, and soak up all the knowledge. So uh, I've been busy. I've been doing a lot of variety of different things and, and learning a new role of a new job, which is a great company and very appreciative of, of everything that, you know, my Carolina degree has got me. And uh, I wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for North Carolina. So I hope all the kids out there that are listening, it's the best university in the world because of the connections you're going to make. And, and uh, I know that firsthand for my last eight months outside of football. Man, that's so good, Bren. Thank you for that update. It, it's just crazy to hear all the places life takes you. What, uh, what, when is your first game for your football team this year? We had it already, so our first first one didn't go so well, and, and uh. so we're working through some kinks and watching the film, and then uh, we play Scripps Ranch on, on Friday, and so it'll be a good game, and or actually today, tonight, uh, so uh, yeah. it'll be a good game, and, and we'll be able to rock and roll and some good ones down the stretch, but uh, we're – we're a really good team, and, and so we just got to piece it together. And like I told I told you, football is an inexact science. You can think you got, you know, the best team in the country, and then the week one happens, and, and you're back to the drawing board. So uh, patience and perseverance is, is the two words that you have to have in football, and, and it's going to be a long journey. Yeah, love to see that. Okay, best of luck to you guys this season in that. Now, you talked earlier about, uh, you know, coming out, coming out of high school and the high-level football recruit that you were, but mm. – what people might not remember is that you're also a very high level baseball recruit. So as, as you're processing baseball, football, how do I want to keep going about this? How did you ultimately land on one over the other? Yeah, I, it was probably the best time in my life. Um, I was very fortunate with, with coach Davis and coach Fox when I was getting recruited. Uh, it was mentioned that I could play both. And uh, that was something that when I was looking at where I was wanting to go to school, it, it was definitely on the forefront of my mind. Um, some part of me misses baseball a little bit. And uh, but no, I, I think ultimately I made a really good decision and I was really fortunate to have the opportunity to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, coming out of high school, I was I was very blessed with some opportunities uh, to do both. And I think going to North Carolina when I when I played for Coach Fox, it was awesome. Uh, he was a great coach. I learned so much from him uh, playing baseball and, and just trying to balance football and baseball. And, you know, I was in a quarterback competition with T.J., and uh, it was getting, you know, I redshirted my freshman year and then I, I would, that gave me the ability to kind of focus more on baseball. And then I needed to get bigger. I was like 195 pounds getting into, <laughs> getting into college and you're not going to, you know, have any success. Those guys will eat you up yeah. if you don't gain some weight. So I, you know, I, I took that ability to gain some weight, go play baseball. And then, you know, ultimately I think it came down to, you know, I was going to be the starter and those conversations 
got, you know, hey, we, we need you over here full time. Um, I think, you know, we kind of came to an agreement that this was probably the best for my career going forward of, of football. And, and, you know, I went on a football scholarship with Coach, Coach Fox's grace. I, I made the team. And, uh, you know, I, I was I thought I was a really good baseball player in, in my own right. And, and I think it's, it's very difficult to do to do both. And, uh, you know, I don't think many people in university history have done both. And so I got a great chance to run out there with the baseball team and play a little bit and then, you know, start 40 plus games at, at quarterback. <laughs> you can't get any better than that. Oh, and so I um, worked my tail off and tried to do the best I can and tried to compete. But it was such a fun time. I'll never forget some of those moments of, you know, throwing, having a spring practice and then jogging over and putting on a baseball uniform and then going to play and, and getting some at bats. And, and uh, it was really cool. And I, I enjoyed it and very appreciative of the whole entire, you know, Carolina community for letting me do that. That's great, Bren. Yeah, such good memories, such great stories, and uh, great to be able to watch uh, Carolina baseball under Coach Forbes now rising up and having a great run this season. Can't wait to see how they keep going. Mm -hmm. So uh, you mentioned earlier that first time you ran out on the field as a starter against James Madison, and uh, what we didn't get into was the insane game you had that day, uh, completing 22 of your 23 completions, a Carolina and ACC single-game completion percentage record, just shy of the NCAA record what's it like to have your name known for that just insane first game yeah it was uh it was something really cool uh and I somehow never forget I think you know there's a lot of like I said when you jog out that tunnel and you're the starter and there's a lot of expectations and a lot of hype uh you kind of have to calm your nerves and I was very fortunate to play with some really good players I mean, we had Gio in the backfield for his first start that game Ryan Houston was our running back we had Eric Highsmith on the outside Dwight Jones James Hurst was a left tackle Jonathan Cooper left guard Russell Bodine center we had Travis Bond right guard we had Brennan Williams all five of those guys up front played in the NFL my, myself played in the NFL. Gio's still playing. Eric <laughs> Highsmith had a shot. Dwight Jones was in the camp. We had NFL guys, and the team around me was fantastic. So I just wanted to be the point guard and get it out of my hands. Yeah, and yeah. John Shoup was our offensive coordinator in the entire offseason. Uh, he preached, you can, you can have a perfect game. You can get, find completions everywhere. And so that was ingrained in my brain. Like, I didn't – I went out there. I was like, I'm completing every single one of these balls. It was more <laughs> of a challenge. Yeah. And uh, we laugh about it now, but the only incompletion that I had was an interception to Dwight. I'll never forget it. We ran uh, 772, I think it was a pin route. It was a post, I call it a post with an N over yeah. top. Yeah. And I threw the ball to Dwight and he jumped and tried to go get it. It was a terrible throw. Ball was like <laughs> wobbling like a kickoff. He almost had it. The guy picks it off. And, but the entire day, the ball, the ball didn't hit the ground. Yeah. And so uh, it was really cool. And in, in the moment, you're not really thinking about it. You're just kind of going out there trying to yeah. find some completions. But it was a really good day. And then uh, obviously the next game after that, I'll never forget, I threw four picks. So that game, <laughs> let's all measure Drake's, Drake's expectations. You can go 22 or 23, and then you can go throw four picks against Rutgers, and the defense right. bails That's you right. out. So <laughs> I, was, I learned the, the humility of the game right then and there. Yeah, I love that. You know, so what? Uh, you were perfect that day. Twenty-three completions. Uh, it's just that one of them may have gone to somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> no, that that's that's great insight, Bryn. To just remember, like, hey, this game can humble you tomorrow just as quickly as it lifted you up today. And so, uh, man, everyone, manage your expectations of what you're seeing from Drake and this whole team. Bryn, mm -hmm. here's my final question for you today. What does it mean to you to be a Tar Heel? Uh, it's the best. It's the best honor you can have. 
Um, obviously, you spend a lot of time in one place. I was there for five years, and my parents and my sister are still there, and my sister's the dance team coach. And we live about 20 minutes from the university. And that is the best feeling when you can go to a university and come back and call it home. Um, and that forever will be, you know, my biggest achievement in my life is getting my degree from North Carolina and being a football player. Not only that, but being an athlete and just being and have the best experience for five years for not only me, but for my family and how they how they treated us and how gracious they were for letting me be a part of, you know, the NC logo. And that was something that I'll, I'll you never it never leaves you. Um, it's it's a great thing to have on your resume for your entire life. Um, I went to the UNC basketball game for the final four. I went to New Orleans and you go back and you see the people that were really impactful in your life, players, coaches, former alumni, former people that were at the, at the games. Um, and you just have that connection. You have that bond over one special place. Um, so I really think it's, it's the best decision that I've ever made. Uh, and, and I love it. And I love being a Tar Heel. Uh, you know, you walk around and you wear anything that resembles Carolina blue. It's going to be, it's, it's, hey, go Heels. Hey, go Heels. And that's what's really cool. I'm fortunate enough to go to a lot of golf tournaments now because um, my wife is in that profession. And every time I walk around, it is really, really cool to have people say, go Heels, if you're wearing any type of NC branded logo. So it's a special place and always will be. That's so good, Brent. Thanks for sharing your memories and what it means to you to be part of this family, this university. Everyone, please join me in thanking Bryn Renner for joining us today, breaking down this game and Drake May as our quarterback and sharing his life with us. Bryn, we're so grateful to you. Thanks, Isaac. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Go Heels. Go Heels. That's it for this week on Locked on Tar Heels. I cannot believe that tomorrow is game day. So coming up next week, you better believe we're going to be unpacking Saturday's game and looking ahead to the trip to App State next weekend. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. And of course, give the man Bryn Renner a follow as well. Go ahead, please, if you would, subscribe, smash the like button. Can't wait to read your comments on your thoughts on tomorrow's game. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen of the day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. I hope that you have a great weekend, enjoy the game, and always remember, it's a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week, peace! <laughs>